With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And we've got a lot to talk about in this week's show, of course. I think for the first time in, geez, I don't even know how long, we're going to lead with men's basketball, Brett. It's basketball season? Yes. And, of course, we're recording on like the, one of the signing days, February 7th. So there's still football to get to as well. But let's talk some men's hoops to start here, because since we last recorded, Arizona went on the road for the Oregon schools, then came home and faced the Bay Area schools. The Oregon trip got off to a really, <laughs> a really interesting start. Of course, they had a nice lead against Oregon State, then lost on a buzzer beater three pointer in that one. Came back, beat Oregon pretty solidly, like one of their better efforts of the season. The Tommy Lloyd streak of not losing consecutive games continued. Then Arizona came home, played a bad Cal team, and made them look like a bad Cal team, and then had a revenge game against Stanford that for 20 minutes or so did not look like it was going to be a revenge game. <laughs> Stanford was doing what they did in Palo Alto, and then, of course, Arizona turned on in the second half and ended up winning that game by 11. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of weird with basketball this season. I think we say it every time we talk about them, is that they're a good team. They have their flaws, but it's hard to feel like too high or too low on them right now. Right. Yeah. It's don't make me tap the sign that this is modern college basketball guys and winning on the road. I think a uh, friend of the pod, Michael Lev had some data that supported the notion that we have of, you know, top 10 teams or don't have a winning record on the road. I think it's something to like not highly ranked teams. Like they're what constitutes a bad loss doesn't really exist anymore. Not on the road. It seems like. Yeah, and like if, you know, you went through the four games that have happened since we last potted. The Oregon State game obviously was a, a, at a minimum frustrating, maybe embarrassing loss. But also, you know, that game, uh, uh, you know, Jordan Pope was hitting crazy shots, right? Including the game winner. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, if you have a hand in the face on a guy hitting a fadeaway three. You know, Sam Decker says hello. Like, you're just not going to win that game. If you're playing good defense and they're making the shots, I have way less of a problem than when you're giving up the open shots and playing terrible defense. Just a similar, uh, you know, and it's some of the games where Arizona's not shot well. When they're taking good shots in the flow of the offense, I don't mind that. Uh, eventually, they that will resolve itself. Uh, and, and even, I forget which game it was where um, Caleb Love was, kind of taking it upon himself to be the scoring option it might have even been the Oregon State game the and he Oregon was game for sure yeah but he was the Oregon game he was taking better shots in terms of the threes and letting the crowd know about it every time and had that insane dunk um, but I think even in the Oregon State game he was hitting a lot of really hard contested fadeaway shots and they were going in I wouldn't actually call those good shots but when they go in okay right. but I'd rather no, you know no no yes type of thing yeah, and like in some of those games, Caleb Loeb have, has to do that. Uh, but you kind of have seen the ups and downs with individual players. Uh, you know, the the one thing I'm, in terms of the individual players and the trends of what you want to see out of this roster, I thought the last game was Umar Balo's best game. And maybe the last couple of games has been better than he has. He's been kind of tr treading water and like drifting a little bit on effort defensively. He looked focused and energetic and spry. And I don't I don't know what, switch flipped but it, it's the best he's looked in a while in my opinion yeah and that's where it's it's a long season especially when you are a team that got to such a great start as arizona did they were ranked number one in the country for a stretch and just when you're kind of just waiting for march right and we're early february now so it's getting closer 
Cats are 17 and 5 overall, 8 and 3 in the conference. Right now, they are now, in the, they're in the driver's seat to win the Pac 12, the final year of the Pac 12, with some of their wins, especially the Oregon one. You know, 12 and 0 at home, 3 and 3 on the road. I mean, it's, you'd like to see them play better, especially on the road. You'd like to see them not get down by double digits to Stanford at home. But at the same time, it's important to remember they do not play in a vacuum. Like, other teams are losing these games as well. Kansas, I forget who they just lost to recently. Someone not very good on the road. Now, if, again, like Stanford was at home, and if Arizona lost to them, that would have been a bad loss for what Arizona was trying to do. But to your point, Brett, like, you kind of have to look at, okay, how are guys playing? Is Umar Balo kind of getting his stride? Is he maybe in better shape now, finding his way within this offense? Is Caleb Love starting to find his way within this? Like, he's always been, he's been good all season. But reaching that next level where there's comfort, with everybody. Pella Larson, he's a little bit up and down, but he kind of seems to have his role, right? And the guys off the bench, K.J. Lewis had a really good game against uh, Stanford. Jaden Bradley has been playing well. It seems like this is the time of season where you'd like to see these guys, I don't want to say peak, but really just find their roles and how this team's going to function at its best. And they're coming off, they're on a three-game win streak, right? They're coming off the home sweep here and the Oregon win. So it's easy to say, hey, things are good. And now they go on the mountain air, mountain school trip against Utah and Colorado. There's a lot of people who think this could be their first back-to-back losses in the Tommy Lloyd era. I get it. It's a tough road trip. Colorado, I mean, Arizona, last time they played them, they you know, had no trouble with either of these schools. But <laughs> it's a tough road trip. But every road mm-hmm. game is tough. And the, like, the Pac-12 is not very good, but it's very difficult to win on the road. And I will say I've been really excited about Umar Bala because I think he's a solid player. You know, he's not a star. But he's a good player, a good college center. Kylan Boswell's been a little better, I think. Sean signs of life, which has helped. Inconsistent, but signs of life. But Caleb Love really does seem to be taking it to another level. And he seems to be that guy where it's the, I guess, when people are talking about him at North Carolina, it's like the good Caleb Love, the guy who can carry you through stretches or win some games for you. Haven't seen a lot of the bad Caleb Love. Like not, It comes in spurts here and there, maybe a bad shot, you know, a heat check shot. But for the most part, he's been aggressive. He keeps them in the game, and he has that will-not-let-them-lose mentality, which is something that Arizona hasn't had, really. They didn't have it last year, a guy who could play like that. And when you have a Caleb Love and he's playing the way he is, you have a chance every time out there because he can keep you in those games and maybe even win you some. So when other guys like a K.J. Lewis comes off the bench, you know, or Kellen Boswell hits a couple of shots, Keyshawn Johnson, just anybody can go along with Caleb Love, and that's the attention that Caleb Love takes, too, from the defense. Where there's a focus on mm-hmm. him, it opens things up. So hopefully this is Arizona starting, and we'll see the mountain road trip, how things go. But hopefully this is the start of Arizona kind of finding out its best self here in February, because now's about the time to start figuring it out. Yeah, I think your comment is right, where the roles are getting figured out, right? And Caleb Love is clearly the alpha, the top dog. And he should uh, yeah. Um, and KJ, KJ Lewis, even in some of those games where he didn't score, I was of the opinion of putting it out on the Twitter. I think he should be starting because he's clearly the best all on ball defender. Like even in that Oregon State game, he was the only guy that was even coming close to be able to defend Jordan Pope. Right. Um, you know, I'm starting to find a little bit more of a role too off the bench in the minutes. Like it's this is what you want to see. Yeah. And, you know, Kashad Johnson had his little thing where he, his, Shoulder maybe got hurt the other game and then did not play well, even though he came back. So we'll see if there's anything to monitor there. That's obviously concerning. But yeah, the, the Balo effort and focus, I think, was something that was almost a little bit lacking that has come on of late. I think the mountain school trips are going to be a good test for him because, you know, they're they're at a bit of elevation. Uh, you know, Utah has some bigs that can shoot, which can be a challenge for Umar Balo. But he needs to, you know, just as... That could be a challenge for him on defense. He needs to make it a challenge on their bigs on defense, right? And if if he's aggressive on offense, it's going to go a long way. Um, it's 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 interesting to see it come together. And and also, you know, you talked about these tough to win on the road things. Suddenly, that Washington State loss doesn't look as bad in the first in the first road game, where they're in the second place, I think technically uh, with the, maybe it tied with Oregon. Um, yeah, I think. We're gradually learning more and more about what this roster is. It's kind of clarifying what we already kind of knew. It's about the consistency question and who's filling what roles. And I think this road trip is going to be a really good test of that with consistency in a hostile environment. Yeah, and one thing I was thinking, too, like Arizona has five losses, and three of those five losses are by like three points each. You know, mm-hmm. it's, in other words, so it's Purdue and the Stanford, the first Stanford game, which was just 
whatever, <laughs> the way they were shooting. But Oregon State by three. Washington State by three. FAU by one. Like, those are three of their five losses. And, no, losses aren't fun. And I'm not one of those people that says you can you have to lose games to learn from them because you can win. You can learn from a close win or from any win, really. The best coaches find a way to do that. But it's not like Arizona, other than Purdue and the Stanford game, which just what like I said, like you weren't you weren't thinking they had the way Stanford shot the ball. Mm-hmm. Like Arizona's been in every single game; they've won all but the other two. Like, yeah, th- three other five losses, they had a chance to win. They came down to one shot. Like you'll take that, right? It's not a bad team. There's a reason why they're now back to number eight in the country. They have five losses and they're ranked eighth. You know, Ken Palm likes them. The net rankings like them, but everyone else is having struggles too. It's easy for Arizona fans because, like, I didn't mean, like, I don't watch the rest of college basketball. I don't watch everybody, especially now with the same focus I do Arizona. So when Arizona loses the game, it's like, oh wow, that's terrible. What a bad loss. And then it's like, well, everyone else is, has those losses too. Like, it's <laughs> it, it's hard to it's hard to like reconcile that, right? Because you don't watch everything. It's like every Arizona loss is the end of the world. Whereas North Carolina has four losses. Kansas has four. Tennessee has five. Marquette has five. Duke has five, one of which is to Arizona. Illinois, Wisconsin, five, six. Like, yeah, UConn has two losses. Purdue has two. They're the two best teams, probably. (laughs) Everyone else is kind of in that group of, yeah, they're capable on any given game, but they are beatable. So it's all about just trying to find the best version of yourself at the right time to win games in March. And that's not to say, like, Arizona can, like, this mountain road trip is an interesting one for Arizona, I think. Like, because if they come out and somehow sweep, okay, now you have something, right? Like, right. Maybe you really did figure something out. If you split, but you play pretty well, depending how, like, another three-point loss or whatever, it's like, okay, you're probably still in good shape. If you get your just butts beat twice, it's like, oh, you know. Like, just because it's a tough road trip doesn't mean you're not supposed to, you, you can't win. Like, these teams lose, too. So, you know, it's very interesting to see what they come out like on a three-game win streak. Are they playing with that fire? Are they playing with that effort and that intelligence? And the altitude, knowing that, okay, like they've already beaten both these teams, but this is a t- these are just a tough, tough road trip, not necessarily because of the opponents, but because of just the setting. It's like, do they have the maturity to come through in that situation, to play well, or at least play well enough to win? It's not going to define their season, but if they want to have a chance at like a number one seed, they probably have to sweep, right? I mean, barring other teams like North Carolina falling apart. And I don't even think the one seed matters that much. It's not just whatever. Just get to the tournament and be playing. Well. Right. But I think like, perception-wise, it'll probably matter more than, you know, it's, it's an interesting road trip. That's what I'm getting at, like in a roundabout way. Yeah. Well, I think that you're right where how you how Arizona looks in these games is, in my opinion, how they – how the effort and the focus is like Arizona still has a tendency to they don't turn the ball over a ton, but they turn the ball over a lot unforced air wise. Yeah. Right. And like, even in the Oregon game, I think I was messaging you and I was just like, and, and one of the other ones, or maybe the last Stanford one, it's like when they're playing good defense and guys are hitting shots, the defense isn't necessarily the problem when they're also going to the other end and throwing the ball away four straight times, even though they're still scoring 80 something points a game. Right. Yeah. It's almost, it's like, if you're playing good defense and they're hitting the shots, tip your cap, go and outscore them, right? And don't beat yourself on offense. Uh, it's, and it, I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, obviously, I, I want them to win. I'd love them to win decisively. I don't know if a one seed matters that, like, would you rather have a one seed in traveling in an unfavorable matchup or a two seed out west with a, you know, a relatively favorable bracket. I'd probably go two in the West, but I don't even know if it matters. I've seen Arizona lose in <laughs> each setting. <laughs> I mean, it's just well, play well, right? It's just play yeah. well. And like, I do think, and I said this every week when we talk about them, but I do think Arizona has the talent to beat anybody. I don't think mm-hmm. they lack for anything. Do they have the consistency to say they are going to beat anybody? Not necessarily. You know, like they don't play well enough all the time. So I think they could beat UConn or I think they could beat Purdue or Kansas or North Carolina or whoever. But I think they have the talent to do so. I think they have the roster makeup to do so. That's all I care about right? is like mm-hmm. showing like just reaffirming my faith that when they lose, it's because the other team shot the lights out or did things that Arizona, you know, could have prevented maybe. 
Like it's one thing if you get beat. When I say could have prevented, like I want to make sure Arizona it's on Arizona when they lose. Not that the other team was just nope, they had something Arizona couldn't handle. You know, Grant, like shooting fifteen of seventeen from a three, that's you know, that happens. But I want Arizona's losses to be because Arizona didn't do something right. Because that means Arizona could do something right. Yeah, and I, you know, I've said before on this that consistency is mental toughness, right? And that means consistency of effort. That means consistency of execution, consistency of focus. And that's hard when you're talking about a, a bunch of teenagers and, you know, low 20, you know, Kylan Boswell is 18 years old, right? Um, you know, so it's... It, that's and that's where I think the road struggles show up in college basketball in general and acutely for Arizona and where some of those, you know, boneheaded turnovers come from a lack of mental focus and mental toughness that is not unheard of for a young team. But, you know, here we are in mid-February. We're not in March yet. And you can see in Tommy Lloyd's teams, they have a tendency to, you know, if they if they lose focus for a game, teams tend to be up for it and, and challenge them. And hopefully they find a way to win or not. Uh, but then every time they've won or uh, had a had a loss, they've snapped back pretty decisively, right? And Look at the against the better team, like you lose to Oregon, State, like Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. and you they they wired to wire Oregon, if I recall correctly. Like they or I don't think Oregon ever led, did they? I mean, it was, um, Arizona dominated that game. Yeah, they were clearly the better better team. Um, you'd like to think that you'd, you'd like for them not need those wake up calls, and maybe it's I mean they're for their college kids, and it's a long season. <laughs> it's a long season for them, and they were number one in the country, not like week one. Like they earned it. They proved that they can win these games. Like this is still the same team that went on the road and beat Duke, that beat Michigan State, that beat Wisconsin. You know they haven't forgotten how to be that team. Like they're still really good, but you know they have to prove it like every single night. Like, that's true, like, to win. Like, you can't just show up and expect to win games, especially when you're wearing Arizona across your chest. You're getting, conference-wise, everyone's best shot. And that's not an excuse for losing, but it is kind of like if you don't bring it, if you don't bring that focus, you can get beat by a team, because, especially on the road, because you don't have the crowd to kind of get you back mm-hmm. in like you have at McHale. So, you know, does that matter come tournament time? Kind of. If you're the favorite, once you start, once you give the underdog a chance, like the card usually gets behind them. Especially at, yeah, especially yeah. at March. But well, otherwise, I guess it's not indicative of their talent and their ability. It's the focus. And hopefully that focus gets better and better as the games get more meaningful. Well, and that's where, to go back to Caleb Love as he's got that dog in him kind of vibe. I kind of love uh, the fact that he's willing to engage and be the villain on the road at Oregon. Like you need somebody to be that that alpha that shows the confidence because that stuff is contagious, man, and that that rubs off. Um, and when Caleb Love is on, he can carry the whole team in that regard. You know what happens when he's not making the shots? That's where you start to get concerned because if if he doesn't have that much of a the bark to go along with the bite when he's not hitting it, uh, does that rub off on other players as well? And that can be contagious. But it's going to be a good test for Arizona. It's not make or break. But also, we're getting close to March, so let's 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 start putting our best foot forward, guys. I would say the nice thing, like you mentioned, Caleb, to kind of put a bow on this, is that like yeah, he could be that villain, go to Oregon, you know, play at Matthew Knight Arena and all that. Like, what environment's going to intimidate him? What environment? What atmosphere is going to be too big for Caleb Love? And that's something that Arizona and even Kashad Johnson too. He's played in the championship game. But that's something that Arizona, the last couple of seasons under Tommy Lloyd, really it's been a while since they've had players who have had that type of tournament experience, that type of big game experience. You know, the team a couple of years ago, like Ben Matherin, Azulis Tubelis, Dalen Terry, I, Kirk Creese, like, yeah, that, that was a really, really good team. They had not played in those atmospheres. They have not been the villain. I know I remember writing something early on, like they were kind of like the bad boys, I think, after the TCU game, about how maybe they're kind of enjoying just being that <laughs> team. It's like, yeah, they did, but they hadn't actually done it, you know, like Caleb Love has. And that experience can't be discounted in these environments. And that's why on the road games, like, he steps up. Like, he plays hard. He doesn't get phased by the environment. He doesn't shrivel and shrink in those moments. Does that mean he's going to make every shot? No. Like, that's not – you can't expect someone to make every shot, you know, down in the stretch. But just the moment's not going to be too big for him, and hopefully that rubs off on the team. Just that confidence that, hey, like, it's just basketball, right? It's just – 
This is not the toughest environment you're going to play. This is not the biggest game you're going to play and the toughest game you're going to play in. Just go out there and play ball. And so, yeah, Arizona has the mountain trip. Utah on Thursday, Colorado on Saturday. We'll see. You know, probably the t- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of people I think are expecting them to maybe struggle on this trip just based on their road history this season. Makes sense. But if Arizona can't come out and play well, maybe sweep this weekend, that would be a sign that, yeah, they, they got things. They figured things out. Doesn't mean they'll go win the, win the rest of their games this season. But it would kind of be like that middle finger to the narratives that you enjoy so much that, like, yeah, they can win on the road. <laughs> you know? like, and maybe they'll get up for it because people are going to be kind of counting them out, kind of down. And maybe that's the one where they come out focused each game and play well and win. So we can hope. But either way, whatever happens, we'll analyze the crap out of it next week. But, Brett, let's take a break, and we come back. It was signing day for football, another signing day. Arizona, Brent Brennan's program added some talent. Let's take a look at what they did. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we can't go a week without talking football right now because this offseason never stops for Arizona. But there's actually some good news here on February 7th. Of course, it was another signing day. Um, Arizona added some talent, not really like huge names. It got some guys from San Jose State, got a couple other transfers, mostly transfers is what they picked up this time around. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think, important to remember this was the case back in the first signing period that Arizona was not looking to fill a lot of roster spots, like not like starters, right? Like most of the guys, and they've lost a few since then, but most of their starters, especially offensively, where people get really excited, are coming back. So it's like, what are they looking to add? Depth and some guys here and there that can maybe slide into the lineup. Trey Smith, defensive lineman from San Jose State, that looks like a guy who could start for them. You know, that's a nice pickup for Arizona, especially if they have to replace Taylor Upshaw and Deuce Davis and Isaiah Ward. Couple other running backs, Jacory Krosky Merito apparently goes by Bill from New Mexico. <laughs> like he it's a nice pickup for a running back room that lost some guys. Quali Quanley from San Jose State. Another running back. Like it seems like what Arizona picked up today on Wednesday, the seventh, is players who can fill needs for them. And of course they went a couple of JUCO guys as well. I don't mind what they acquired, what they added. It seems like it all makes sense. And just it build it adds to a roster that again isn't bad. Yeah, I mean, you suddenly feel like that running back room looks pretty good, right? With Jordan Washington signing as a freshman, you still have Speedy Luke. I actually am still mildly high on Brandon Johnson, a guy that redshirted last year that I think could be could be really good. But yeah, you add two plug-and-play guys, and you know maybe you don't get a DJ Williams just thumper, uh, but you have maybe some guys that are in the, the Michael Wiley mold or somewhere in between the two guys, as right? As you can run through, like... Get, run through the holes and break a couple of tackles, you're fine. <laughs> you don't have to be a big running back to break tackles. No, no we want to have like a Madden franchise, Adam, where they're 99 speed, 99 strength, 6'5", <laughs> 280 running backs <laughs> with 99 acceleration. Is that so much to ask? Right. Um, you know, and, you know, Trey Smith obviously is a really important need. I think the D-line is still a spot uh, yes. that that they need to continue to add guys. You can never have enough. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the guy they got from Syracuse, the kind of undersized uh, three technique. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've looked up any of his, his, his stuff. He looks like a, you know, he's only 270 something pounds as like an interior lineman. Or something like yeah. That. He's basically a bowling ball that has apparently been really disruptive. So that's a really interesting person, especially to combine with like big, big Chuba, right? And big Bill Norton. Norton yeah. Who, um, as far as we know, is coming back. 
yeah, and, and there, you know, they added a linebacker. That sounds like that there's going to be more defend, uh, being an edge rusher type. Uh, I, I can't remember if you named him. I'm blanking on his name as well. It's been a busy day, Adam. It has um, been a busy day. And they and they added a corner that you know it has some length. Uh, you know, we'll see that the, the spots that the most concern are probably still remain corner, right? Because yeah. Jed Fish basically took all of the planned corners except well, for <laughs> and Takario Davis as far as we know is still in the portal but hasn't left yeah I, I don't know if like when you're in the portal that means you're no longer on like who knows but Rashawn Clark also went yeah. up the you know would have been he was committed to Arizona the, the transfer from Indiana went there uh yeah Shaw you know you still oh. have trades still have trades Stukes you still have G7 you could move trades Stukes back outside move G7 inside you still have Genesis Smith, yeah Gunner Maldonado you still have Dalton Johnson so it's not like that's the thing that I think people to remember is like it's like take this signing day is like hey Arizona added players right for the last three and a half weeks it's all been about who Arizona has been losing or just trying to retain like it's nice to see them add players and it's a reminder that yes they're gonna lo- they lost some players they lost they're gonna lose guys whether fish left or not. And the whole point was, okay, who do they bring in to fill those spots? Do they build off of what they had? And remember, like, Taylor Upshaw, when did they get him last year? Like, after spring. Like, May. Right? My time on Craig was after spring ball. DJ Williams was after spring ball. Some of the best players they've gotten over the last couple of seasons would not have been on the roster in February. And that's not to say that Arizona can't get better or the guys they picked up today are going to be, like, the game changers that make Arizona a playoff team. I'm not saying that at all. Like, Arizona does have holes. You mentioned the defensive line, they lost some guys. The, sec- the secondary probably needs more at cornerback or more sure things. Of course, there's coaching. Like, Dwayne Aquino being the defensive coordinator, he's got a good, you know, defensive backs background. And, of course, their DB coach. So it's like there's room if they like these guys that's talent because who thought Takario Davis was going to be as good as he was, especially so soon. Trade in Stukes the way he developed, right, for more walk-on. And – I'd rather get four- and five-star talents. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit here and say, give me all the two- and three-stars and coach them up and everything will be great. No, please give me four- and five-stars. <laughs> but just this idea that Arizona, and I've seen like some ASU honks be like, oh, Arizona, and like whatever. Like Arizona had a, pretty, they had a good team returning until Fish left. They still had a pretty good team returning even after Fish left. So it's not like they're trying to rebuild a roster through the signing day. They're mm-hmm. just trying to piece something together, fill some gaps, plug some holes, and they'll still have the spring portal to contend with, probably lose some of their own guys, but also be able to bring in more talent that leaves after their spring games, which could be very fruitful for Arizona once this coaching staff's in place as a chance to really identify what they need, where they're at, and see around the country where there's teams that have you know a six deep at a spot and someone wants to be like, you know what, I want to play come to Arizona who's going to be a good team but there might be a spot for you on the two deep like it's it's not a finished product this roster but as it stands right now like this is not a bad football team is it a 10 win 11 win football team I'm not going to say that but is it an eight win football team yeah definitely oh for sure and all the you know peanut gallery comments or the 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 signing day class and where the you know where they were signing guys from you know, the transfer portal only was open in the last 30 days for people whose coach left. That means Arizona. That means Washington. That means San Jose State, right? Um, yeah, well. Does that count if they retire? Yeah, I think so, right? I think so. Um, I, I, UCLA I, may open up soon if Chip Kelly goes to the NFL. Yeah, and so, like, and like this is a countrywide transfer options. Like, it's just. Yeah, teams, and four teams that have guys available. I th- I think it's safe to say that the spring portal period is going to be insane, uh, and it's it's really just about you know Arizona's already probably faced the hardest challenge, which was the the Jedfish departure in terms of roster retention. Uh, there's going to be more, but this is also you know this is modern college football, right? Um, and hopefully Brent Brennan and staff. He's hired a pretty solid staff. I mean, you have. I mean, Dino Dino Babers isn't officially announced yet as of this recording, but you have multiple guys that have been head coaches on your, like three guys that have been head coaches on your staff, including the head coach with the 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 you know one of them being the linebackers and special teams yeah, coach. Gonzalez, yeah. Um, That's you know, I actually, I remember we had uh, Justin Spears on a few weeks ago, and it was when we were talking before Fish left, and I'm like, do you think maybe it's defensive coordinator hire? He'll find someone who could be like the head coach in waiting, and like, <laughs> like what an idiot question that ended up being. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Like, that's something about Brent Brennan that I feel good at about is that he brought on guys who have been head coaches. He's not threatened by that. And I'm not saying Jed Fish felt would have been at all. But Brennan has enough cachet within coaching community that guys who were head coaches, well, they're not head coaches for a reason, right? Dino Babers is not a head coach at Syracuse for a reason. Danny Gonzalez is not a head coach at New Mexico for a reason. But he's not intimidated by that, by bringing them on steps. Like, they can help bring them in. And these are people who, in terms of trying to read, I don't want to say rebuild this program, but I, I don't know what, what they're trying to do with this program right now, right? Continue on with what they have, but manage this process and try to survive this offseason. Guys who have run programs could probably help with that in terms of they understand mm-hmm. every dynamic that's going on between transfers and, you know, the portal, the NIL stuff. Like, they have a better idea than some random coordinator might because they've had to oversee these things. So, yeah, I remember when uh, Jed Fish brought his staff, I was like, oh, this guy has NFL ties. Or this, you know, Brennan Carroll, that's a nice name, or Doherty. You can see why the guys that Brennan brought over, you can see where it could work. You know, are there superstars on the list? I mean, Lonzo Carr, the running back coach, is like one of the stars. Um, Chip Vines, I think, is the defensive backs coach, the cornerbacks coach. Is it Vine, Vines, Viney? Um, Viney. Viney. Like, I like what he has to offer. Like, obviously, Danny Gonzalez, former head coach. Of course, he was an ASU coach not that long ago. But I feel like for where Arizona was about, what was it, about a month ago now, like, They've done about the best they could have in the 30 or so days. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they don't have room? Like, that means they, they can still get better. Like, they can still bring in more slash better talent. But, yeah, when Jed Fish left, if we would have said, okay, by the next signing day, Arizona's going to have the bulk of their like their ent- offensive line returning, T-Mac, MLC, Kevin Green Jr., A.J. Jones, Fafita, right? <laughs> like, Keon Burnett, Dorian Thomas, that they're bringing back pretty much everybody from offense that they could other than Jonah Coleman, and that the defense would lose. Pri- I mean, the defense lost some guys. But other than, like, as far as, like, surefire starters, Prysock. <laughs> to the portal, right? Like, Kangaika would have been a player who would have found had a role this season. I mean, Ward. But, Ward. Like, these weren't these aren't, like, like, your guaranteed number one guy. Like, Ward was a good rotation piece. Deuce Davis was a rotation piece. And I'm not saying Arizona's not going to miss those guys. But in terms of what Arizona has been able to still be about a month after Fish left, how would you not take that? Because now this coaching staff, which is finally assembled, gets a chance to get their footing. Like It's less about retaining guys and more about, okay, learning your roster and then attacking the next wave of the portal. Like Arizona survived. And come the spring portal, they might end up thriving again. We just don't know. But just they got to this point. And that's exciting it's relieving <laughs> like, that they yeah. made it this far through the coaching change where the program has not been decimated and the guys they added on february 7th you can see this is how this player fits this is how this player either improves where arizona is or at least keeps them afloat at positions where they need to be kept afloat yeah they've they've weathered the the worst of the storm most likely right so we hope so yeah um and, you know, the real question going forward with Brent Brennan and the staff is, all right, he did more with less at San Jose State. Can he, how does that translate up a level when it comes to recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's some intelligent decisions made with Danny Gonzalez. At, you know, when you hire Dwayne Aquina, awesome. He's 68 years old or whatever. Uh, so when he's out there and he's not known, he's known as a developer and a motivator and a schemer more than a recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. But also, if people want to come play for Dwayne Aquina and you're, you know, a junior in high school right now when you're getting recruited, you're going to assume that you're going to be playing for Dwayne Aquina? Probably not. That's where maybe it makes sense to have your DC in waiting on staff, right, in Danny Gonzalez. And that that hopefully pays dividends in uh, next year's class uh, and, and in the spring portal even and beyond for guys that are looking for more than just, you know, a one-year rental. But, yeah, you look at the roster, you know, we talked about it all the time last year. One of the best aspects of that roster was the depth. And there was a lot of young guys that didn't get to see the field that much, right? Because there was so much talent in front of them. They're still there. And they are still, you know, we keep forgetting you have a four-star linebacker in Levikasua who has not seen the field really yet, right? Doesn't mean that when he does, he's going to be really good. But yeah, this idea that they were relying on the 24 class to 
like make this roster, make this team good. That's just not the case. Like you want to plug holes, mm-hmm. and it would help to get some tra- uh, like transfers would be where it's at. Like if Trey Smith comes in and gets you seven, eight sacks or something like that, yeah, that's a win, right? <laughs> kind of like Taylor Upshaw. Yeah. Like there are guys you definitely need to add playmakers. You need to add guys who are going to be on your two deep. But the freshman part of this, like if it's going to hurt Arizona, it's going to hurt them next season and the year after this right and that was like what are you going to do like they had a freshman class it wasn't great to begin with but there were there were a handful of guys who were super exciting prospects and the guys they did sign there's going to be some good players in that group absolutely but of course like they're going to follow they had no connection to arizona they had a connection to the coaching staff (laughs) wouldn't they leave and follow jed fish and you know whatever nil opportunities are there in washington so yeah that's going to hurt next year and the year after but at the same time, if Brent Brennan and his staff can buy them this year, like if they can make this like a year where it's like, yeah, they just build off what happened, they ride the wave of the talent that they, you know, inherited and win games, that gives them a buffer in terms of, okay, then they can start trying to recruit guys. Think of Jed Fish's first full recruiting class, what's so a twenty two class we talk about. You know, if Brent Brennan can come in and show that he can still win, that he can take this team that won ten games and win nine, ten games again while they're also trying to build up this recruiting base with a lot of guys who've already recruited Arizona's base, like the California, the Texas, they have those guys on staff. So that would allow them to hopefully the next year's recruiting class, the 25 class, the 26 class, to be more like what we think Arizona needs to be. Yeah, and, you know, we still don't know about some of the guys that have that have stuck around. You know, you talk about Ephesians Prysock is probably the biggest loss, right? Uh, in terms of the, I mean, Jonah Coleman goes without saying, but running backs more replaceable than a, so, yeah. a lockdown corner. And as Arizona proved today, I think they're, you know, they lost three running backs. They're three top running backs probably last year, and they're going to be fine next year. It looks right now, but you know, another guy people forget about. I'm really curious to see in the spring is you know, as much as it sucks to lose a six three six four corner like Prysock, and hopefully you can keep that six three six four corner of Takario Davis kind of have at least physically uh, a clone of that in Emmanuel Carnley right behind them. And, you know, he didn't see the field because who's, who's he going to start over when you have two, you know, uh, older guys, more experienced, but it's going to be a real interesting spring to see, you know, how some of the young guys seize the opportunities, how the new plug and play guys are in there. I think it's going to become really clear for the staff where the, where they need to go, you know, grocery shopping for, for whole, you know, plug some holes. Like I, I'd assume they're going to add some type of quarterback, but you're not going to bring in somebody that's going to challenge, uh, you know, Noah Fafita or maybe even Braden Dorman. Um, but you need to not have two scholarship quarterbacks, right? But that even then right there shows what Arizona is working with in terms of trying to add talent. Like they lost Devin Williams, which that was unfortunate. And like, he was a great freshman to be bringing on campus. Guy looks like he's going to be electric, but you have Fafita for at least one more year, possibly mm-hmm. two. And then you have Braden Dorman who possibly three, <laughs> who we haven't seen at all, but is obviously a highly regarded quarterback. So, like, what is, like, Arizona has needs. They have fewer needs today than they did four days ago, right? But they have needs, but a starting quarterback is not one of them. Starting receivers is not one of them. Starting, there's a lot of starting spots that they do not need to fill. Now, it's mostly like the 2D, but it's like the second string or the 30. You want better depth in places. But that could show up through guys who develop from year to year, like a Carnley, like a Leviticus Sua, you know, like a Sterling Lane. Like just because these guys were, like they were on the roster last season, in theory they've developed another year for, you know, further with good coaching that has left now, but it can develop even more with the coaches that they have. So it's like, yeah, it would have been nice to have the best recruiting class. They were never going to have the best recruiting class, even if Fish had stayed, if Fish and his staff had stayed, just because they didn't have those spots to fill and the two deep. But they still have a couple. And again, they can improve in places. But by getting to this point in the offseason with what they have, it allows them to kind of go shopping in the spring portal season. You know, to just, okay, what do they need? And then throw whatever NIL might they might have available in playing time towards those guys at those positions. And that, of course, assumes they don't just lose a ton of guys of their own in the spring. But... It's just not a bad space to be for Arizona, given where they were, you know, 30 days ago or more or less. Yeah. And what do you think is it's like 
I had to remind myself like a week or two ago where I was like, you know, thinking through and concerned about the guys that have been losing and, but also the guys are adding and it's like, all right, we'll still be pretty good. And then I'm like, wait a second. We have two guys that legitimately might be all Americans on offense at quarterback and wide receiver. <laughs> right. Like, two. Yeah. Like you lose Jordan Morgan, which yes, the bowl game showed what kind of, what that could be, but the offensive when, line, like they're bringing in Alexander Deuce from Northwestern. He looks like an intriguing prospect. You have Polito coming back, right? You have everyone else coming back in an experienced offensive line. Like, yeah, you're going to miss your left tackle, who's going to be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. But when your line is really good, it it helps. <laughs> it helps everything else. So, and I, for the most important spots, like again, Arizona does have holes to fill. Now they're not going to have an like just a all-star roster, you know, starting 11, you know, 22, top 22 guys could play everywhere. No, there's going to be spots where they're going to have to develop or just hope that they can get by. But there's a lot fewer of those spots now. And in the most important positions, especially offensively, they're not only just getting by, like they have stars there. So, yeah, like, this isn't a bad team. Is it a team that right now I would say is going to win the Big 12 and make the playoff? No. But I'm not sure I would have said that if they brought everyone back either because it's just hard to right. do that. But are they a team that with a couple of more additions and with some breaks in the scheduling, with some bounces going their way and things working out for the best, can contend for the like for the conference? Yes. Like there's it's not mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibility that they are a team that will be in the conversation with a Utah's or with Colorado's, with Oklahoma State, you know, like with Kansas, whoever is considered the best in the conference. Like, yeah, Arizona will going to the season will probably be in that group, which like you'll take that. Yeah, and another big unknown in the spring with this roster with, you know, granted it has some questions, but so does everybody, yeah. right? Arizona had... like men's basketball. They don't play in a vacuum. Well, Arizona's team last year, one of the reasons people were so excited, they had shockingly few seniors, right? Rel- like, like in the teens, like mid-teens, I think, right? They were losing, I think, um, like four starters, like, to graduation. Yeah, and so, you know, yeah, they lost guys to the portal. It's kind of like the equivalent of now a normal senior class turnover, right? Um, now they got they got a little behind the eight ball with the timing of the coaching change and whatnot, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure that out. But also, I'm really curious to see how Brennan and staff tweak how they approach their schemes, both offensively and defensively. Because you know, like some people are saying, like, well, you don't have the power back. It's like, all right, well, to your point, if you have you know, if you can't, if, if Speedy Luke can't get six inches behind running behind Wendell Moe, that's a different problem. You know, 30 pounds heavier isn't going to be the difference 90% of no, the time. It's nice to break tackles, but you don't have to be yeah. 240 pounds to break tackles as a running back. Yeah. And, and also the scheme might change when you have so many different questions on defense or if a defensive scheme changes where maybe Arizona goes to a more ball control offense, right? Like a more West coasty, you know, keep the chain, you know, moving the chains instead of the, they got famous for the mid range pass, you know, those 15 yard passes to T-Mac and maybe they keep doing that. Maybe they don't No, Fita got way better with the deep ball as the season went along. It seemed like to me, um, you know, but there's, I, 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 I'm intrigued to see what Brent Brennan as a coach developer and a schemer with his staff can do to get the most out of their guys, because that might be the difference even in the lack of high-end talent to maintain what they had last year. Yep, I agree. So it's it's a fun offseason again. <laughs> it's not a Jed Fish offseason, especially when Jed Fish is not a part of it. But I think for Arizona football, coming off a 10-win season with everything they've been through since then is in a really good spot heading into the spring. You know, where they'll be after spring practices, and we'll see. Like, who knows? But they don't have as many question marks as Arizona teams often do heading into this portion. They're not looking for a quarterback. They're not looking for receivers. not looking for guys who are going to make plays. Like, they need to fill spots on defense. But you can coach that up a little bit, too. And, again, there's going to be a spring portal season that could offer some some fixes where Arizona's going to need them. Oh, football. One week we won't talk about it. But, as you just heard, it's not this week. But, Brett, let's take a break, and when we come back, we ask people for to send us their questions in a mailbag segment. At Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle on the Twitter machine. And when we come back from the break, we will get to those questions and give you the answers. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And before the break, we mentioned how we asked you all on the Twitter machine, at Wildcat Radio AZ, just for your questions, one of our mailbag segments, because... 
there's been a lot going on with Arizona Athletics, and we were wondering what you cared about the most. So, Brett, you handle our Twitter machine, our account. What do you got? All right. Uh, well, first one, uh, we have two from the the underscore dude eleven twenty one. Uh, I will bring the first one because it kind of puts a bow on our last segment a little bit. Uh, he says, U of A football is losing a decent amount of their 24 recruiting class. Do you see Coach B having a bigger 2025 class or replacing those lost recruits via the portal? Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think there's going to be, like, the 2025 class, I think it's going to be monstrous, especially given just how many players are going to lose from this year's team. Like, there's a, guy, a lot of guys who are juniors. Like, even, you know, you keep T-Mac, is he really going to see a senior season? <laughs> like, that's that's hard to believe. You know, if Takario Davis comes back, is he coming back for his senior season? Like, Arizona's going to have just more roster spots to fill, so I would think the 2025 class will be big. But that doesn't mean they're not going to try to find some transfers. But I think for Arizona, they might be better off this season trying to find those one-year guys who just want to plug in where try to give it one chance to win some games and get to the NFL, whereas Brennan probably will focus more on the high school recruiting. But that's something we were talking. We don't know how he's going to do at a bigger program. Like the way he was recruiting at San Jose State is not going to be the way he has to, he can recruit at Arizona. Not if Arizona's going to be a good program. You know, whereas maybe at San Jose State he was going for less in the portal and more just for high school guys, undervalued high school guys. The portal is going to be a bigger option in a, for him at Arizona. So depending on who's available in the spring portal, you know, I could see him taking some maybe multiple year guys, but I imagine there's going to be a lot more of like Taylor Upshaws for them. We're like, you know what? I can go fill that spot at cornerback. I can go fill that spot on the defensive line or at linebacker. Maybe go win 10 games and get to the NFL. While the 2025 recruiting class is where Brennan starts to really build the foundation for his Arizona program. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, it's going to be a bigger class one way or another, largely just because they've had some, you know, a little bit of a hollowing out of the, the class, some of the, the high-end talent. I I'm going to suspect that Brett Brennan approaches roster construction actually in a similar vein to the way Jed Fish did, which I think is book is high school recruit as the recruits as the foundation. And then you try to be strategic with some multi-year transfer types. And then you have the one-year rentals that are targeted at, at positions of need where, you know, form meets function and everyone wins for one year kind of thing. Right. And I think it's probably in that priority um, in terms of and, and a mix of, your percentage of your roster uh you know it's going to be really interesting to see and like you know also in a way with the jed fish recruiting philosophy you know i don't th- you know jed fish was telling people it was it wasn't just about having the biggest nil to get guys to come to arizona and i think that's going to continue with brent brennan maybe for different reasons with a different head coach in terms of a personal relationship but also similar in the sense of if brent brennan can get players and recruits to buy into him and his staff as developers, you know, you get, you want to get the guys that want to be at your program in your system with your coaches and you're going to pay, you're going to have, you know, continuity there and development that's going to pay off more. You know, like I've said before, the guys that just go and are motivated solely by money have a tendency to be only motivated solely by money. And that has implications in a team sport, (laughs) right? Uh, and so it's it's going to be curious to see. We just it's an unknown right now, right? It's an unknown right now, but I'm excited to see what Brennan can do. He seems like a very the fact that he's been able to re-recruit so many guys, big time players. I think speaks well to his ability to then recruit, you know, guys to come to Arizona. But we'll see. Now, yeah. all right. The the next question from the at the underscore dude eleven twenty one. Who do you guys see on defense with draftable NFL talent? I mean, if there's, 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 Davis. there's probably more a few like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like from from that still there, Takario Davis is a draftable player. Um, I think someone like let's see, Dalton Johnson, I think has the ability if he has another good season. I don't know if Gunnar Maldonado, if like one more strong season, maybe he'll get you know like late, like sixth round pick type of player. Um, yeah. Yeah. from last year's team, <laughs> Taylor Upshaw, I think. You know, someone we say Prysock is you know from last year's team would have been draftable talent. Um, well, I, are we? Is, I'm not sure if the question is draft eligible and draft 
and draft a bowl from a talent perspective, or are we projecting some of these young guys too, right? Because there's probably not that many draft eligible guys. No, no, but I was like just projectable. Like Genesis Smith has potential mm-hmm. to get there. I mean, Jacob Mond is going to be a productive college player. Does that mean he gets a shot at the NFL? He'll be an undrafted free agent somewhere. Someone will pick him up. I would think, unless he just has a monster next couple of seasons where it's like you have to pick him in the fifth round. Um, but yeah, I, I guess when you look at it. Last year's defense was really, really good, and there weren't a lot of surefire NFL draft picks on that mm-hmm. that side of the ball. You know, I'm curious to see if Bill Norton gets rewarded for another year back at Arizona. I, presume, I mean, I don't think he's officially publicly said he's back, but nothing to lead to otherwise. Um, you know, he was probably not a draftable guy, even though he was a four-star recruit at Georgia. Now he might be on the radar, uh, and if he shows out really well this year i could see him uh you know a couple other guys that are intriguing I, i'm curious to see what Ty good size actually and good speed yeah well i mean he always had the speed and then he grew into the size and yeah. became you know became a dog as uh as as coach Akina calls him um i'm curious to see how Ty Ty uyunglele keeps developing because he's he doesn't necessarily blow you away but he's just a football player man yeah um and then of the guys that added, got added today, I think Trey Smith has a you know a chance to to be somebody that at least gets a look. I don't know yeah, if he'd be drafted. Size, yeah. He's got the size. I don't know what his measurables would be. You know, Leviticus Sua is still a bit of an unknown, but he was a four star for a reason. Um, you know, I think you're right. Genesis Smith probably has some of the most projectability, uh, as does Takario Davis and Traden Stukes. Um, and you know, now we're start getting really deep because I'm I'm really curious to see like Teron Williams, but he hasn't even played. Yeah, yeah. you know, had a camp practice yet, right? That's a lot easier um, to project NFL draft picks for offense, in part because like the defense, unless you're like a cornerback who's a shutdown corner pulling up in pile of interceptions or defensive lineman who's picking up, I mean, even like Scooby Wright. Think of how many sacks he had, you know, that season, and he ended up being like a seventh round draft pick, like. You got to put up some numbers, or just have that projectability that NFL teams like. That skills, like Bill Norton, to your point, he's got NFL size. So the question mm-hmm. is, will he have enough production to warrant a draft pick? Or is he, I think there's a lot of guys on that side of football who will undrafted find a way to free NFL rosters and be undrafted free. <laughs> yeah. Which for a lot of players, that's better, especially if you're going to be picked this like sixth or seventh round. Might as well be undrafted and choose your spot. Better chance of latching on with a team. Like there's NFL talent on that roster, but surefire NFL draft picks, especially on defense, are a little bit harder to pinpoint. Well, it's. It's got a lot of these guys is kind of come down to the measurables, but I look. I'm thinking about some of these defensive line the lineman guys, excuse me, that I think are have a, maybe a shot. But then I think back to the national title game and Michigan had like seven guys that were just yeah. bigger and ten times more athletic than the Arizona guys. Granted, they're like first round picks, but it's it's a different thing in the NFL. It's just another level. Yep. But yeah, good question though. I like that. Yeah. Uh, last question, Adam. Uh, at Catbus AZ, Arizona football will face three teams who had a bye in the previous week to prepare next season. Is the Big 12 already plotting against U Arizona? <laughs> I note the appropriate use of U Arizona. Is Utah Arizona's fo- Arizona football's toughest game next season? And will you root harder against Washington or ASU next season? That is a that is a loaded one. I <laughs> I definitely don't think they're conspiring against Arizona in terms of the scheduling. Like it's there's that, so many teams on that schedule now that the Big 12 has to figure out there's going to be bye weeks. <laughs> like, it is it is what it is. I mean, Arizona's got two bye weeks. I actually think their schedule was somewhat favorable in terms of, like, where the bye weeks are mm-hmm. and, like, where their road trips are and everything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big schedule person. There's a reason why I don't like leading with that because it's like, you know, even like last year, we'd be like, oh, this is their tough stretch, and it was their tough stretch, and Arizona, like, ran through it. It's like, oh, it wasn't as wasn't as tough as we thought it would be because Arizona was better. And there's always teams that are that you didn't think were going to be that good who ended up being tougher, you know. <laughs> but I definitely yeah. don't think that they were doing anything so much to try to hose Arizona schedule-wise. I just think with, what, 16 teams that they have, like there's going to be – you're gonna it's going to be impossible not to play teams off of their bye weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. It, and I'll take a first crack at the, and it kind of relates to the schedule in my answer, that is the Utah-Arizona football's toughest game next season. I might argue that the non-conference game against K-State is their toughest game. And I could make an argument that 
you know, from a win-loss record, that is tougher on Arizona. But from a winning the conference perspective and getting that test early might actually benefit Arizona pay dividends when they get into the conference games that actually count. Like playing a conference opponent, someone who's like at that level in terms of like, where are you? Exactly. And just, yeah. and just adjusting to the way that conference is, right? I, mean, I, I think Arizona's going to be a good team, but I'm, I don't see a lot of guaranteed wins on that schedule, probably because I don't know these opponents. So, well, like I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of West Virginia or UCF. I know UCF is the space game, showing what they do, and they haven't lost their space game since they've been doing it. They usually win by like 40. Like That seems like it might be tough just by historical standards, but like Colorado's going to be pretty good. Like That was a tough game this season, right? Houston, TCU... Like, at BYU, like, like, yeah, they're going to beat NAU. They're going to beat New Mexico. Like, what a revenge game for Arizona all of a sudden against New Mexico. The guy's going against their former program. (laughs) But otherwise, like, how many guaranteed wins are on that schedule? I don't see that many. Like, they should beat ASU at home, I would think. So that's three. Like, and this is me saying that I think they could win eight or nine games. Just, I don't know who the easy ones are, who the toughest ones. Like Utah's going to be tough on the road. Utah bringing back Cam Rising for his twelfth season. Like they will be tough, <laughs> right? But at BYU, that seems like it could be difficult. At Kansas State, should be difficult. Like to your point, like West Virginia coming out to Tucson. What's that going to be like for them? I have no idea. <laughs> like Arizona going to UCF. What's that going to be like for them? I have no idea. <laughs> Colorado could have another year of roster turnover and upgrade where they could be tough right right like that's the, that's one of the exciting things about this and obviously like arizona's going into the big 12 in better shape than we thought they would have been in terms of football right they're a good team going into the big 12 and they are one of the favorites but there's a lot of intrigue for me just like who are these opponents right like i don't know how yeah. arizona matches up with west virginia or with houston right now and the last time they played houston didn't go so well but like i i'm excited to see that like maybe arizona matches up better with some of these programs than we thought you know, the last time they played BYU a few years ago. Right? Maybe. But, like, I don't know if Utah, I mean, right, I, on the surface, probably Utah would be the, it's like the best team because we know Utah. It's easier to project them to be good because we've seen them. We know what they have more so than we know what Kansas State has or UCF or West Virginia or so on and so on. Yeah, and, you know, you're not going to Provo or Salt Lake City in November. You're going in September and October, right? So that's that's like, not bad. Dallas for TCU in November might be chilly, but, you know, the Houston game, they might be tough, but I think that's a flex game or it could be a Thursday night, but I think I'd rather have that be at home if it's a flex time or a Thursday night. You might not have as much of a crowd, but, you know, I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. No, it'll um, be an interesting season. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and, and then the last of Catbus's question, you're going to root harder against Washington or ASU next season, Adam? Oh, it's definitely ASU, right? Because for the conference, like Washington's going to do whatever Washington does. Like it's, they're in the Big Ten. Good luck. You know, <laughs> like, do, am I rooting for Jed Fish to succeed there? No, definitely not. But I care more about Arizona, and for the sake of argument, ASU being like bad helps Arizona's chances of winning their conference. Yeah, I'm, that's that's the territorial cup. There's no Arizona Washington trophy. There's no bragging rights there. It's like, Arizona Arizona plays ASU. I will be rooting very hard against ASU in that game. <laughs> and the rest of the time, I don't care that much. <laughs> but, yeah, like it's, I think every Arizona company watching Washington, hoping they struggle, you know? I mean, I don't know, because, like, yeah, it's, that's just the way it goes. But I would imagine once the season starts, like once Arizona goes into the season with a pretty good team, it's going to be like, okay, like, screw you, ASU. That's how I think it'll be, more so than Washington. Yeah, you know, you know me. I... I root for my team more than I root against people. Um, I think Washington's going to have a hard enough reality check in the in the new Big Ten without an offensive line also. And they basically, you know, it's funny that for Jed Fish being the, essentially the offensive coordinator and an offense guy, the offense didn't travel with him. It's only the defense that went up with him, which I don't know how to necessarily interpret that, but I'm just noting it as interesting, Adam. Very interesting. <laughs> that for our mailbag? Good That's questions. It. Those are good questions. Of course, we will every now and then ask for the mailbag, just see what you have. But if you just have a question any given week, hit us up at Wildcat Radio AZ. It's a Twitter handle. Just shoot us a question. We'll get to it. Speaking of Wildcat Radio AZ, Brett, I wore my home field jacket over the weekend. Got some compliments. Had one ASU fan who was like, I do not like your jacket, sir. And I'm like, I do not like your face. That wasn't my response, but he did say that about my jacket. But, you know, home field... If you're making your first purchase, type in 
bonus promo code Wildcat Radio AZ. You get 15% off your first order. They have some really good stuff. They just came out with some new stuff a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. That is just awesome. Um, but I got my bomber jacket. I wear my home field hat. Their stuff is soft. It looks good. And yeah, ASU fans won't like it, which makes it even more nice to wear. Well, and they just dropped some new uh, some new sc- other schools and cool designs. You know, I'm I'm an Arizona guy, but I know a lot of people that have pulled some of the other ones, and some of them look kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I wish I could like some of the other schools because their shirts look nice. But you know, I'm just I'm just not gonna buy a Duke T-shirt. <laughs> oh, man, some of the Duke stuff look really good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or like Indiana just had a drop, but I'm not, I'm not gonna buy another basketball school rival you know, one. The story is home field makes really really good <laughs> stuff like so so much so even if you don't like the school you still want to buy it you know and if you do that wildcat radio az is your promo code 15 percent off your first order otherwise check out our twitter account got a link for you to find all your home field apparel anyway appreciate y'all listening of course you can find us on the twitter machine at wildcat radio az you're probably finding us on itunes or spotify make sure you subscribe to us there if you're on itunes leave us a rating and a review we will read that review on the air but anyway That'll do it for this week's show, of course. there's a, I think football stops for a little bit now, Brett, I think. We'll, we'll see. But otherwise, <laughs> basketball's happening. The road trip for the men's basketball team, the Mountain Schools this weekend. We'll talk about that next week and any football that happens because, of course, it will. And then I guess there's athletic director stuff and whatever. Arizona Athletics, always an adventure. We'll talk about it all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>